Take your Bibles and turn there. We are going to connect the pieces there a little bit from the video. But we're going to look at verses 1 John 3, 19 to chapter 4, verse 6. I think these passages go well together. And the title of our lesson today is called Counterfeits, that you guys will see in your notes and hopefully see on the screen soon. Not going to happen. So I have a question before we get to the slides. I think they'll come up eventually. I think you guys have to hit it one more time, remember. There we go. There we go. Did you ever come across a counterfeit or a forgery? Could be an actual product like a phone or a piece of technology. Could be anything, really. We live in the day and age where people love to use passwords and fingerprint scanners and use security questions because there are a lot of imposters out there, right? Identity theft is a really big thing today. I want to share with you a story of something that I came across that was a counterfeit, and it's not necessarily a product, it's a person, and I'll share it with you here in a little bit. When I was like a sophomore in college, um, I was getting to know this young lady, this girl who was in one of my classes, and her name was Ashley. Ashley and I really connected very easily. We laughed a lot. She got my sense of humor, and uh, we connected and just started talking a lot, and the talking went to more talking, the talking went to flirting for weeks. Ashley and I were getting to know each other and starting to like each other and talking, whatever the phrase is used today. Um, and we didn't have a, a so-called relationship yet, but Ashley and I were really starting to connect. And it was a time of the year at, at uh, BBC, uh, Clarkson University now, that they, they were going to have their fall winter play. And I decided this is a good opportunity to ask Ashley out for the first time on a date. And so I went up to Ashley and I said, Ashley, the play's coming up. What do you think? Do you want to go with me? You know, we'll, we'll get tickets and we'll go to the play and we'll, we'll enjoy that. She goes, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. And I said, all right, I'll get the tickets. And I went and got the tickets and we were planning to go to the play. It was like in two weeks and everything was status quo until then. Ashley and I kept talking and flirting and laughing and getting to know each other. So the night of the play came and I took Ashley to the play and the play was good. I don't remember what it was, but uh, we had a fun time. And uh, I brought my friend along. It's kind of like a group date. I made him get a date as well because I wanted him to play the wingman for me. Because I didn't know Ashley that well yet. It was more surface stuff. And so I said, Andy, why don't you get a date? And we'll all go out together. And he said, okay, I'll do it for you. So Andy got a date. I was taking Ashley. We all went to the play together. We had a good time. And afterwards, I said, listen, Andy, if this goes well, let's, let's ask the girls and go to dinner afterwards, you know, and keep the ball rolling. And he goes, yeah, I'm fine with that. You know, I'll do whatever you need me to do. So I asked Ashley after the play, I said, Ashley, what do you think? You want to go out to dinner and keep this going? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I think I can go for a little while. I said, oh, what's up? She goes, yeah, I, I, I got to be back kind of soon because I'm going to my boyfriend's house for the weekend. And I was like, huh, boom. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, 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 going to my boyfriend's house for the weekend. My boyfriend, the guy I'm dating. Oh, you, I, you realize this is a date, Ashley. We're not just hanging out, right? Uh, yeah, so you got a boyfriend. Okay. So I didn't know what to say at that point. I was like, uh, I didn't want to be the guy being like, yo, I thought we had a thing. You know, what's up, Ashley? <laughs> but I had already committed to dinner. She's like, yeah, let's go. And I didn't know what to do. So I'm like, oh. So Andy and I go out with these girls. And I was checked out at this point because I realized at this point, Andy, uh, Ashley was a fraud. She didn't like me. She wasn't into me whatsoever. And so Andy and I go out to a restaurant with these girls, and he, he with his date, that he wasn't there for, for his purposes, but for mine. And I'm with Ashley, who has no desire to date me, and I realized that. So we go to this restaurant. We went to Ruby Tuesdays that has a few of those TVs up there with a sports game on it. And so 
Andy and I sat in the booth with our dates, and I was completely checked out. And I just watched the game with Andy and talked to him the rest of the night, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, how is this girl flirting with me for weeks? I mean, it was one of those things on campus where the word was starting to get around, like, Todd and Ashley, are you guys betrothed? You know, are you guys into each other? And so I, I thought for sure that I was going to, like, you know, get a girlfriend here, and Ashley just, yeah, just completely <laughs> let me down that way. So that was an example of something that I thought was authentic that turned out to be Unfortunately, a counterfeit, but unfortunately for me, I, I think I upgraded. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. We are looking at the topic of love, and we did this this past Sunday. We looked at love and how important it is to love one another, and I don't think there's any more important topic than the topic of love, and so we're going to keep that ball rolling, that train rolling here today as we look at what it looks like to be an authentic, authentic Christian excuse me, versus a counterfeit Christian. So go with me to the text. It's 1 John 3, starting in verse 19, and we will bleed into chapter 4, verse 6. This is what John says. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we shall know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Hopefully you can see in that text that the idea of counterfeit comes up. And that's why I played that little video at the beginning, because it's very easy today and age to have a counterfeit and to not know you have a counterfeit. And so we're going to look at this from 1 John chapter 3 and 4 today. I want to share with you a quote that I found from Matthew Henry that I think works really well. It says this, It is a great happiness to be assured of our integrity in religion. Those that are so assured may have holy boldness or confidence towards God that they may appeal to him from the censures and condemnation of the world. The way to arrive at the knowledge of our own truth and uprightness in Christianity and to secure our inward peace is to abound in love and the works of love toward the Christian brethren. Isn't that a good quote? I thought that was a really good quote from Matthew Henry. And we're going, to, we're going to talk about that today, again, what it looks like to be authentic versus a counterfeit. So we have a few goals that I hope to get to today. These are five goals. Number one is to have the assurance that we belong to Christ and are walking the right way, or to rightly doubt that we are based on the health of our hearts. In other words, to discover if we're authentic or counterfeit Christians. Our number two goal is to find that assurance today if we're lacking it. Because the point is not to call anybody out and send you out depressed, but for us to have the assurance and to become authentic Christians today if we're not already. Goal number three is to test the spirits and voices 
that speak to us to know whether they are speaking truths or lies to us. In other words, to unmask counterfeit spirits so we can conquer them. Goal number four, to live and fight in the Christian life from certain victory. In other words, to gain a holy confidence, which is what he is speaking on, Matthew Henry. And then in number five, he says, to base our lives and souls upon God's truth alone. In other words, to be stable and grounded and not deceived by the counterfeits because the counterfeits are out there. So work your way through the text with me today. I want to get all of our truth from what John is saying. And the first thing he says is, by this, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. Well, what is this? You have to remember, we're reading an entire letter here. And we're taking little portions each Sunday and focusing on the portion of Scripture. But this is a letter. And the thing John spoke on right before this was walking in love practicing love. So he wants to keep that theme central in our minds as he goes forward. So he says, by this, by the practice of love, you and I shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. So the practice of love is the proof of our authenticity. Love is our proof, not knowledge or our religious background or activity. It's not good enough. Love is our proof. You know why? Because it's not hard to be religious. I would say the, the mass population of the world is religious. They're practicing it today. They're practicing it this weekend. They're going to practice it around Christmas, right? Religion is not hard to practice. It's a learned behavior. But love, practicing love, is otherworldly. It's divine. Therefore, love is the assurance of our authenticity before Christ, because love is from God. It's from God. It came from God. It, it originated with God. And it's impossible to practice love without the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that? It's impossible. You could show little samplings of it, but you cannot practice love without the Lord Jesus Christ, unlike religion, which you can practice that on your own. You can learn that on your own. But practicing love takes divine help. And therefore, it is our proof. But John also says, which I think he's saying here, is we need the assurance of our authenticity. We have to have it. I know that I have to have it. Because if we don't have that assurance, we are not going to continue in the Christian life. I don't think. I don't think we will endure. I don't think we will conquer trials and hardships in the Christian life and go forward unless we know that we are certain that God is our God, that he is our Father, and that we belong to Jesus Christ. So John is, again, trying to give us a gift. He wants us to have this assurance that we know that we're of Jesus Christ, and we therefore we need to walk in love. We need to practice love. The lack of assurance is also the lack of security and the lack of joy. And like I said before, if we don't have that assurance, I don't think we'll go very long before we entirely give up and chase after the world. Without assurance, we are filled with doubt. And doubt is joyless. And joylessness does not produce faithfulness. Maybe you've been in a period like that in your Christian life where it was full of doubt and joylessness. That's not a proper Christianity. That's a Christianity we have to rectify. And we can by walking in love. So assurance is not optional. We must have it. John is bringing that out. We have to have assurance 
of our true faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we need to practice love because love is how we gain the assurance in order to follow Christ until the end. Does that make sense? We need love in order to glorify God, but we also need it for our own soul so that we know that we're walking correctly. And you, many of you have heard my testimony. I'm going to sprinkle that back in here in a minute. But I had a period of my life where I was not assured that I was following Christ, and that was a very scary time in my life. Let's go on. John says, For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. It's an interesting verse. He's saying, If our hearts do not reassure us of our genuine faith in Christ, due to the lack of walking in love, that's a very bad sign. Because God is greater than our hearts. God knows more about my heart than I know. He knows no more about your heart than you know about your own heart. So if we can't even pass the, the judgment of our own conscience, how are we going to pass God's judgment on the last day? And that's what he's saying today. That if you and I do not have the assurance, that's a big, big deal. Because that means we are not ready to meet God either. Because God knows more. He knows everything. So, counterfeits. Unfortunately, they're even in the Christian life. They're in the Christian um, religion that we have. There are counterfeits all around us. I myself was a counterfeit for a long time. In fact, here's, here's an example of this when he says, um, God is greater than your hearts. For a long time, I knew that I was practicing sin in my early part of my uh, 20s and late teens. I knew that I was practicing sin. What I didn't know and didn't realize, however, how much I was practicing the lack of love because of my sin. And there's an example of something that I wasn't made aware of till I started following Christ, and Christ revealed to me how important it is to walk in love. And I said to myself, I was, I was not doing that either. Not only was I practicing sin, I was neglecting the needs of those around me. So I couldn't even pass my own judgment, let alone God's. So if our hearts do not reassure us, and in fact condemn us, that's something we have to explore. Because God is greater, God knows more, and we have to stand before him one day. So whatever is true is an indicator from our heart to our conscience, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit. Whatever is true as an indicator is exponentially true in the eyes of God. The conscience isn't perfect, and it isn't our authority, but it is given to us by the Lord to either condemn or to reassure us of what's true within, so we don't have to guess. We need the conscience. And we're going to look at how we keep that conscience right and pure but the conscience is a pretty good litmus test. If your conscience is letting you down a lot, that's not a good sign. That's something you need to explore. But, he says, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So if our hearts do not condemn us, neither will God. Isn't that a cool thing to know? Um, so we should have such confidence, and that's what John actually brings out, such confidence before God that we are authentic, that he actually is our God and our Father and our eternal security, that we're not a counterfeit. John wants us to have, God wants us to have that reassurance today because it's not good to doubt. It's not good to question. It's not good to hope or to guess or to round up. You and I must know that we are authentic, actual Christians and the conscience is given to us as a guide. And our heart works in step with the conscience. 
And our sermons, even that we speak here every week, are not just a part of religious activity. These are supposed to be able to help you, give you spiritual health if you do not need it. Don't listen to the sermon, take a little vitamin, and then go on your way and change nothing. That's not the point. The point is to test yourselves now. Prove yourselves now so that when you step outside of these walls and one day step before God, you have confidence. We all need it. We all need assurance. But we need to pause here a little bit because I have mentioned the conscience. And I've mentioned how the conscience is not a perfect thing. Because there may be some looking at this today, this verse going, oh, I'm ready to justify myself now very quickly. Because... Of course I'm fine. I've been in the Christian life a long, long time. Of course I'm ready to meet God. And they can use a verse like this to back it up and say there's no sin in me at all. I'm not practicing anything evil. Or there could be people on the other side ready to condemn themselves this very moment and say there's no chance I will be able to pass that test. Here on earth or in heaven before God. Therefore I have no hope and I'm doomed. And use this verse to back them up. But we must remember that the conscience is a guide. But it must be thoroughly trained by scripture in order to treat us properly. It has to have constant discipline to know the character of God and what he expects. Otherwise, your conscience, too, can let you down. To let our conscience guide us without this discipline is to walk in grave danger. Because the devil, too, can use the conscience to misguide us, can't he? That's the whole point of today's lesson. But when the conscience is in step with the Spirit, it's an excellent guide. It really is. And when the conscience is perverted ignorant of truth, or seared by sin, it can lead us straight to hell. And we can believe what our conscience is telling us because it's our guide, right? Our conscience is our guide. You've heard that phrase before. But unfortunately, if it's not in step with the Spirit and it's not in step with Scripture, it's a very, very bad guide. But when it is, it's a very, very good guide. So we need to make that uh, clarification today that our conscience has to be in step with what God has taught us. We have to be saturated with the scriptural truths. So do you have a right conscience guided by scriptural truth? Is your conscience know the word of God, believe the word of God, and is it guiding you by that word of God and giving you the proof and the assurance that you actually are in Christ? He says this, he says, Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Isn't that a cool little verse? Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Well, that's a great promise, but there is a little bit of a condition in that verse. Have you notice it? Because we keep his commandments. So don't think of God as like a genie that you rub a bottle and he comes out and grants your three wishes. Or that it's Christmas time, so he's kind of like Santa Claus. You just make a little list and you give it to him and he just grants you whatever you want. If we're walking in step with his commandments, God has or God is ready and willing to give us his blessings. We have God's ear. We have a blank check from God if we keep his commandments. Do you know that? Because when God is our God and we're in step with his commandments, we will want everything that God wants. You've heard the verse from Psalm 37.4 that says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you, someone finish it, the desires of your heart. And I've heard many people take the last part of that phrase and think, God will grant me every desire, fleshly desire, worldly desire that I want. But there's a part at the beginning of that verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Stay in step with God and his desires and his commandments, and you have a blank check. Your desires will be met. Your wishes will be granted. 
And that's a cool thing to know. Because if we walk in step with God's commandments, and remember the commandments are summed up in love. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The commandments are very, very simple. Love God and love your neighbor. So if we're walking in step with God's commandments, whatever we request we have, we can take it before God and believe that he will grant us that thing. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So remember that. When we are in step with God and in step with his commandments, we have God's ear. God will grant us whatever we desire. But we also must remember this, that selfish requests follow a selfish lifestyle. And godly requests follow a godly lifestyle. So without obedience to God's commandments, anything God would grant us could be used to further enhance an ungodly lifestyle. And God is a very good parent. He's a very good father. He's not going to give us anything that might possibly harm us. But God is also a very good investor. He's going to invest his blessings, his spiritual gifts, into those who will use them and invest them properly. Here's an example. If I give my money to a notoriously good investor, I too am a good investor. Because that money is going to be put into something that will grow and sustain and continue. And God is the best investor there is. He is going to give us anything we want if we're in step with his commandments. Because he will trust that whatever he gives us will be used properly. He's a very good father and he's a very, very good investor. So if we are keeping God's commandments, we have a promise that we have God's ear and his blessings whenever we need them. And you can take that to the bank. That's a really, really cool promise. Um, so when we're authentic and want to obey God, we have God's ear and God's readiness to give us all the blessings that we should possibly need. Because true children of God get everything that God could give someone. We are God's children when we walk in step with his commandments. So, again, the question is, well, what are the commandments? What are the commandments? That sounds exhausting. How am I ever going to know if I'm keeping in step with the commandments of God at all times in order to get my requests granted? But look at what John says next. It's very, very simple. This is his commandment. So there's no one walking out here confused going, what are they? What should I do? Here's what John says, two things. The commandments of God are very, very simple. Believe in Jesus and love one another. Isn't that simple? Two, two things. Believe in Jesus and love one another. We're never allowed to claim that we're unsure of what God expects from us because it's all over scripture. And it's even here in 1 John. He lays it out in the simplest of forms. Believe in Jesus and love one another. See, God's commandments are costly, but they're very, very simple. A child can receive that. A child can understand that. There's two things God expects from us, two very big things. Believe in his son and love one another. Two things. That's simple, right? And yet they're costly. But we need to understand how simple the Christian life is. When we have both belief and obedience, we have true faith. And we are fully pleasing to God. Therefore, like I said before, all his promises are yes and amen for us. So when we have belief and obedience, we have true faith. Therefore, we have true assurance. Therefore, we have God's ear. Therefore, we have God's promises. Let's pause again here a little bit. Because Christianity, unlike many things in this world, is not for the wise. 
It's for the simpletons, like myself. Anyone else? Christianity is for the simpletons primarily. Therefore, understanding the overarching desires of God are very, very simple. It comes down to simple belief and simple obedience. You ever heard the old song, Trust and Obey, for there's no better way to believe in Jesus? Trust and obey. It comes down to those two simple things. Again, fit for children to grasp. My five-year-old, six-year-old could grasp this very easily. So do you believe in Jesus today? That's hurdle number one. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he's the Son of God? Do you believe he's the Messiah, the Christ, the Lamb of God that was sent into the world to save us from our sins? Because these next several weeks, we're going to pause and reflect on Jesus coming into the world because that's the whole point of Christmas, isn't it? Jesus coming into the world. Do you believe that he came from heaven was put inside Mary by the Holy Spirit, was born sinless, lived the perfect godly life God demands, and then laid down his life so that you and I might find life? If so, that's hurdle number one. If you can believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Christ, that he's your Savior, you're halfway there. So do you believe? If not, you still don't have faith in Christ, you need to come talk to me, go to someone you trust, or better yet, go directly to God himself. But if so, are you... Walking in love, because that's step number two. That's hurdle number two. Are you and I striving to walk and practice love in our lives? Because if you say today, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not yet practicing love, we still do not have true faith. Because James 2 says, faith without works is dead. Belief only, an assertion that something is true only, without the practice of that something, proves we actually don't believe it. If God says, practice love, love your neighbor, and we say, ah, no thanks, I'll get to it later, we actually don't believe. Therefore, the entire thing is fraudulent. And so the first thing we need to do today is pull out counterfeits within us. Are there counterfeits here today? Are you saying, I believe in Jesus? And if so, do you have faith in Christ through belief in who he is and what he's done and through walking in step with his commandments, which are all summed up in love? If so, if you can cross those two hurdles, the only thing left for each of us to do is to deepen our understanding of what it looks like to walk in love. Because there's a maturation process in the Christian life. And even though you say, I'm walking in love, there's still a better, more proper way to do it. And you can learn more and more about God and about his scripture by looking into it. But that's simple, right? Two simple things. Believe in Jesus love one another. If you're doing that, you're doing everything that God expects and you have God's ear. And you're not a counterfeit. You're authentic. And then John says this, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. There's another promise. Whoever keeps his commandments, the condition is there, abides in God, in God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. And again, keeping the commandments of God is simply walking in love. Walking in love is walking in light, which is concrete proof that we belong to God and follow his son. Because I started before, started the sermon by saying we cannot practice love without God's help, without the Lord Jesus Christ and without his Holy Spirit indwelling us. If we keep his commandments as the practice of our lives, we shouldn't let anyone, person or inward voice, convince us that we don't belong to God. Because that's the proof. If you can pass the test, which is faith in Christ, belief in Jesus, <laughs> and loving one another, you belong to God, and you should always be convinced of that.
Isn't that a cool thing to know? Don't let anyone talk you off out of that to say, ah, what about this? Or what about this? You're, you haven't met this yet. You're, you have a shortcoming. If you believe in his son and practice love as part of your life, you're of God. You have to be. There's no other way you can practice love apart from God's spirit indwelling you. And that's cool to know that we have God's spirit indwelling us. All Christians have that spirit. And that spirit is God's truth working through a right conscience that convinces us, of, convinces us of what is real and what is fake. So we have the test within us to say, this is real, this is fake, like the iPhone video I showed you before. You can discern what is authentic and what is not. Because of how smart you are, because you're well-educated and you came from a great family, no, because you have the Spirit of God within you. And the Spirit of God can work with any conscience, can work with any heart, can heal them and give them wisdom and give them a sound mind to know what is real and what is authentic. So when you and I obey God, the Spirit of God is right there applauding us and encouraging us to go forward. Once again, is concrete proof that we are God's and we're going the right way. The Spirit says, go, good, keep going, keep moving, proper living. And that's a good thing to know. So the Spirit of God is a huge sign of our authenticity as a Christian. It's God's DNA. So I look at my kids sometimes, which are adorable, right? My kids are adorable. And sometimes I wonder, how did they come from me? But my kids act like me, unfortunately. And I can, I can see the DNA upon my children every single time I look at them because they act and they think like dad. When we act and think like God, it's concrete proof we're of God. And we have to have the Spirit of God in order to do that. And that's a good thing to know, right? That's a way to test if you're authentic or a counterfeit today is, how do I think? How do I act? How do I live? Does it look like my Father? Does it look like the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have God's DNA upon you? That can't be assumed. That has to be tested. But again, let's pause again, because the Holy Spirit of God indwells all believers. Every single believer, mature or not mature, new or old, the Holy Spirit indwells us all. And the Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus told his disciples, I'm going back to heaven? You know, I, I rose from the grave. You know, I'm going back to heaven. You should await the Holy Spirit. And the disciples are like, Jesus, you can't leave. We're fishermen. What are we going to do without your, guide, your guidance and your mentorship and your discipleship? How are we going to function? And Jesus said to them, listen, when I leave, the helper will come. And it's actually advantageous to you that I leave. Because instead of being next to you, which I can't always be with you when I'm next, next to you, the Holy Spirit will indwell you. And everywhere I go, you will go. And everywhere you go, I will go. I will always be with you. So when the Holy Spirit came upon these fishermen, these uneducated men, they became bold, confident, and powerful guys. Because Jesus Christ was living inside of them. And you know that Paul and Peter and James and John were authentic Christians because there's no chance they could live that way otherwise. My favorite verse in all of Scripture is Acts 4.13. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. How else could they do this? How else could they think this way? How else could Peter preach this way? 
It has to be the Spirit of God residing in them. So maybe that's where we get the term, accept Jesus into your heart, right? Because when you trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God moves into your heart permanently. And you can function according to what God expects. So when you look at the commandments and get exhausted by that and get frustrated by that, going, wow, how am I supposed to obey the commandments of God? The Spirit of God is God's power to do so. And God's wisdom to know what it looks like to do so. And that's a really powerful thing to know. So when we turn from our sins and trust in Jesus, the Spirit comes in, he resides in our soul, and from that moment on, we have power and ability to know wisdom that transcends this world. So when and if we receive the Spirit of God, we are guaranteed victors as long as we walk the way he expects us to. So the devil can only lie. What can the devil do at that point? He can only lie. He can only tell us things that aren't true and try to convince us to walk according to the flesh because he knows that if we keep in step with the Spirit of God, he's already lost. There's nothing he can do. If we step, keep in step with the Spirit of God and the commandments of God, the devil has already lost. And that's a wild thing to know. So you and I, we need to emphasize the Spirit of God more. We really do. There, there are religions out there, unfortunately, that are perverting the Spirit of God and making something it's not. But the solution is to never talk about the Spirit. That's, that's the wrong solution. We need to know what the Spirit of God is. We need to depend upon his power and ability in our life. And then we need to function according to what he's taught us. And honestly, the things that I'm teaching you today, I can't do that without the Spirit of God. And the things that you're hearing today and learning today, you can't do without the Spirit of God. So the Spirit is present here today, if this makes any sense whatsoever. So the cool thing is to know is that Jesus is always with you if you are a true, authentic Christian. Not next to you, not you know something about him. He lives inside of you. That's a wild, wild thing to know. But also an amazing thing to know. He says next, Beloved, Chapter 4, verse 1. There's other counterfeits. It's not just us. There's other counterfeits in this life. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Do you guys believe everything you read on the internet? Really? That's strange to me. Why is that? Why don't we believe everything we read on the internet? Is a lot of it fraudulent? Have you ever heard the story of the Nigerian prince emailing you saying, hey, listen, I have a truckload of money, and all I need you to do is give me a little bit of your bank account, and I'm going to send all that money to you because I can't keep it here. It's, for some reason, I have to send it across seas, and I randomly selected you. Would you please give me your bank account so I can give you $12.3 million? Don't do that. Do not do that, because a lot of that on the internet is fraudulent. Don't believe everything you hear. Test it. John is also saying, test the spirits within you. Test the voices within you, because we are hearing a lot of things today, both from the media and our inward souls, that aren't correct. And so we have to test them, because even though we're obeying the Lord and have the Spirit within us, the devil is unfortunately still speaking to our minds and our hearts today, trying to get us to follow error. So we must test the spirits to see if they're of God. We can't be lazy in this endeavor. We can't just assume that what we're listening to is true and follow it, because the stakes are very, very high. We're talking about eternal life and eternal death here. 
If we listen to the wrong things and we follow the wrong voices and the wrong spirits, it can lead us to hell. We have to test the spirits because counterfeits are everywhere. And unfortunately, those counterfeits, they're not like the fake iPhone. You get a fake iPhone, oh well. You know, you got a worse phone. You can change that. You can sell it. You can buy a new iPhone. If you listen to the wrong spirits, you can die. You can be led astray. You can follow that error unto death. Many false spirits, prophets, and teachers are amongst us today, spreading lies and deceit, and we must be discerning on what we listen to. Are you discerning? Do you listen to anything that sounds popular and good and tickles the ears? Or do you discern and go, wait a minute, is that truth? Is that proper? Does God say that? We have to, because there's counterfeits, and those counterfeits are there to hurt us and harm us. But remember, we have the Spirit of God, and that's what John says next. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not of God. The test is very simple. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now already in the world. So the way to test counterfeits inwardly and outwardly from other sources is very simple. What do they say about Jesus? What do they say about Jesus? If they hold Jesus up high and lofty and say he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, he's everything, they're proper. <laughs> they're proper. That's, that's, again, you couldn't do that. You wouldn't want to do that without the spirit of God. That's a way to test them to see if they're authentic. The true spirits, the true prophets, the true Jesus, excuse me, true teachers will hold Jesus as high and lofty as possible. And the false ones will do all they can to discredit Jesus to make him seem insignificant to our hearts and our minds, and when they do so, they're counterfeits, they're forgeries. But it's not just things like, hey, Jesus isn't God, or Jesus isn't the Messiah, because that might be a really obvious red flag, right? You may hear things, very subtle things in your mind, like, he isn't that valuable. Jesus isn't worthy to give him everything. Notice the subtleties. Because if someone came up to you today and said, Jesus is not the Messiah, you would go, false. <laughs> he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. I know that to be true. But what about the inward voices that tell you to scale it back a little bit? Jesus doesn't deserve everything. Jesus isn't worthy of all of your energy and all of your focus. He's worth some. He's worth some. But don't give him everything. Counterfeit. Because the real spirit of God would push you forward and say, Jesus is everything. Give him all. Surrender all. Go to him. Lay down your life. Pick up your cross. He's worthy of everything. So if the spirits withhold that and go, ah, you're probably doing enough, counterfeit. Counterfeit. So if the spirits defame and devalue Jesus, they're of the Antichrist. John has already told us that he's going to come into the world, but unfortunately he's already here in a spiritual facet doing groundwork in our souls to prepare us for his physical coming. We have to have our guards up. Have to. Against false spirits. Those who send false doubts into our soul and false assurances into our soul. They have to be tested by their testimony of Jesus and the fruits of obedience to Jesus. So are you testing the spirits? Are you testing the voices? The things that you listen to that are inward or even the things that you watch on sermons and books you read and little devotionals, are they 
truth? Are they scriptural? Do they hold Jesus Christ high? Very quickly, let's move to the next text. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Who? The false spirits. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. You and I must understand today that if we're in Christ, victory is not hanging in the balance. It's already a certainty. Did you ever watch a movie twice? And the tense part of those movies the second time aren't that tense anymore? Because you know how it plays out, right? Um, this isn't really a tense movie, but a movie that I enjoy is It's a Wonderful Life. Anyone else like It's a Wonderful Life? Part of that movie, when you first watch it, is a little concerning. It's a little depressing. <laughs> Uh, because this guy, George Bailey, makes, uh, makes this idea in his, in his mind that he wishes he was never born. And when he wishes that, it kind of comes true. He, he's allowed to see what would happen if George Bailey was never born. And everything is really, really bad. His brother's dead. You know, the streets are lined with things that are not wholesome. And the town is in the, in the, in the pits. And I'm watching that movie going, oh, man, this is depressing. You know, this isn't a good Christmas movie. This is depressing. But now that I've seen the movie several times, in my mind, I'm going, I know how this plays out. I know that when the bell rings, every angel gets her wings. I know he's going to get a truckload of money on the table and everything's going to be corrected. He and Mary are going to get back together and everything's going to work out smoothly because I've seen it before. Victory is not hanging in the balance for Christians. It's a certainty. So when you and I follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the devil knows that he's disarmed. There's nothing he can do. All he can do is lie and deceive, and hope you listen. And I'm telling you today, as your pastor, as your shepherd, protecting my sheep, test them. Be careful who you listen to. Watch out for the false spirits. Christ has defeated evil by his death and resurrection. Therefore, we should have such confidence to go forward and never be convinced that we still belong to the devil or that God doesn't love us. Jesus paid our debt. And therefore, you and I can walk in victory today. I can stand up to the devil and say, you're wrong. You can't defeat me. I have the Holy Spirit. I have Jesus Christ's righteousness on my account. You're disarmed, devil. You're lying. I can defeat sin. But the world, they listen to him. They listen to the false spirits and say, yeah, you're right. There is no God. I am in control of my own destiny. The world does have the best stuff. But Christians can discern and test and go, ah, that's not true. So the world follows the deception of the evil spirits, but the Christians can test and know that what we're listening to is truth or error. And therefore, if we hear error, we can say no to it. If the devil dangles that sin over you and says, I got you every time I want you, I can get you to fall into this, punch him in the face. <laughs> Spiritually speaking, you're wrong, devil. You're wrong. This sin does not own me any longer. You do not own me any longer. I can conquer you. In fact, you're already defeated. All I have to do is push you out of the way and go forward. And he knows you're right. So we're fighting from victory, and that's the, something the world does not yet know. And the last thing he says, we are from God. <coughs> Whoever knows God listens to us the scriptural writers, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
True Christians will agree with everything John is saying here and Scripture, everything Scripture is saying. Because it did not originate from John, it originated from the Spirit of God, God himself and Jesus Christ. So those who refute John's teachings today, if you're sitting there going, I don't believe that, that's way off, you're refuting God himself. Therefore, we can know who a true spirit is and who a false spirit is by asking this one simple question. Do they line up with Scripture, the exact and clear teachings of Scripture? If not, they're evil, and they should be turned off. If they do line up with Scripture, they're there to help us. Listen to them. Use that wisdom. Use that counsel. It's from God. Knowing Scripture is like a person who works at a mint and works with money all the time. When a forgery comes in, they can spot it right away. When you're saturated in knowing Scripture, you can, pop, you can spot the forgeries and the counterfeits immediately. But without Scripture, you can't. You're going to listen to them. Because they sound wise, they sound authentic, they're very, very close to the thing like the iPhone. It's so different, so small the difference. But if you know Scripture, you can tell. And remember, Scripture is our authority. Scripture is our authority. Not man, not opinions, not the common theologies of the day. Scripture. What does it say? Scripture will unmask all the counterfeits, ourselves included. But we must know Scripture. We cannot find a shortcut to this. And if you know the Spirit of God, you can know Scripture. You can know it. It's not too complicated. It may be too complicated for people like me, but it's not when we have the Spirit of God. We can know it and we can discern. Very quickly, our application that I have to move very quickly through is, number one, base your Christianity, your Christianity, your own testimony on the evidence of a loving and godly lifestyle and a clear conscience based on the truths of Scripture. You don't have to be a counterfeit any longer if you are. Turn to Jesus or start loving or both today, and you will no longer be a counterfeit. Number two, be very careful who you listen to, both outwardly and inwardly. The devil can use any sort of perversion to move us away from truth if we're not discerning and rooted in Scripture. In other words, test for counterfeits. You and I do not have the luxury to accept the common teachings of the day without testing them. We have to test them. We have to hold them to Scripture. We have to know Scripture. <clears throat> Number three, like I said before, know the victory that Christ has won for your sake and live in confidence. You can have confidence today toward the devil and the sin that he attempts to enslave you in. Because if you're in Christ, you're already a winner. You've already won. It's a certainty. False spirits cannot defeat you if you simply believe. And number four, know scripture. Know it. Know scripture from the Holy Spirit's influence and don't take any shortcuts whatsoever. Depend upon every ounce of God's word and test everything else. Depend your life and your soul upon the word of God and everything else, test it. That is a healthy way to live. So lastly, before we praise, are you an authentic Christian or a counterfeit today? If you're authentic, keep going. If you're a counterfeit, turn to Jesus today, and that will change. It's very simple. Next, are you testing the spirits to know if they're counterfeits? Number three, are you fighting with and from victory in Christ today? 
Again, we need that assurance and we need that knowledge that we are already victors. Are you rooted and grounded in Scripture? I think today we have a very lazy way to approach the Word of God. Let someone else do the work for us. It's not good enough. If you have the Spirit of God, go directly to the Scripture and ask God for help, and He will grant that to you. So are you rooted and grounded in Scripture? Next, are you walking in love and finding the assurance of true faith? Remember, it's trust and obey. And if you're not doing one of those properly, that's the goal. Trust more, obey more. That's where the true faith lies. That's where the real assurance comes from. And lastly, remember that Jesus is worthy to have true, authentic followers and not counterfeits, isn't he? Jesus does not want a counterfeit Christian. He does not want a knockoff. He does not want an imitation. Jesus wants to know that he has your soul and that whatever he asks, you will follow. Isn't Jesus worthy of that? He is because of all he's done for us. I pray that this has been helpful for you. I pray that we'll listen to this today, that we'll watch out for the counterfeits, that we'll test our own soul before God so that we can have confidence and assurance. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for the word of God that makes things so clear and helpful for our souls. I pray that you'd help us all listen to this today and watch out for the counterfeits. And Father, there's, it's very possible there may be counterfeits here today, still walking in error, still assuming they're Christians, not practicing the right things, but believing they're still following Jesus. Help them to realize what is true today. And if it's not true that they're authentic, like I wasn't for a long part of my life, Help them to turn to Christ today and seek out help if they need to. Father, bless us all. Push us forward. Help us with the Holy Spirit to know what you desire and to walk in it because it's the best thing for us. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.